Hello C3, it is so exciting to be sharing with you today. Wherever you are joining us from, if you are online, if you are in Colchester or Bury or here in Cambridge, it is great to be able to share with you today. My name is Bradley, I'm part of the Young Adults team here at Cambridge, in Cambridge, and I'm really excited to be finishing this series. We're not excited that the series is finished, it's been a great series, but excited to have the opportunity to finish it up with you, um, this series looking at this book, The Bible, A Story That Makes Sense of Life. And it's been a fantastic series, hasn't it? And if you've missed any of it, it's all on our YouTube or on our podcast, you can catch up there. And hey, if you've not invested in yourself and got hold of this book yet, I would really encourage you to do so. You know, the team have done an incredible job sharing each week and we'll finish up today, but there is so much more to unpack um, in this book, so I'd recommend you to invest in this book, invest in yourself, and learn out how to grapple with and understand the Bible more and more as we go. Well, so here we are, the end of the series, and we so far we've looked at our origins, we've looked at our quest for freedom, we've looked at our need for peace and for love, and last week looking at our thirst for community. And this week, we're bringing it to a close by looking at the topic of hope. Hope and our longing for our ultimate home. Hope is a powerful force, isn't it? It's a strong motivator. Often in the most difficult situations that we face, it's keeping hope that keeps us going. It's when we lose hope that we often give up. This summer, I was out with a friend and we decided to leave behind, we went out cycling, decided to leave behind the, the flats of Cambridgeshire and we went off up to Yorkshire to tackle some hills. And one of them was called Trapping Hill. Now, I would have renamed it Mount Everest because that's what it felt like to someone used to cycling on nice flat roads, but it was steep. It was challenging and it didn't take me very long to realize I was not up to the task and I was really struggling to make my way up this hill. And I don't re remember exactly what point it was, but it was about halfway up. I'd had to stop already a few times and walk a little bit of some of the steep sections and I got myself going again, but I was really reaching the point where I was like, what are our other options? If we turn around and just retrace our steps, like how long is it gonna take to get back? I was just thinking of all the other ways except going up. But I remembered that when I'd done my research and I'd gone on the Google, Google Maps and looked where this, how this hill panned out, I knew that near the top, it would level out. I knew that there'd be a corner would come around that kind of fairly sharp left corner and then the end would be in sight and it would level out. And so as I could see a hill or a corner, sorry, just above, just up the hill, I thought to myself, let's make it to that corner. My friend Rick had already gone around the corner. I thought, if I can just make it there, maybe, I was hoping, maybe if I make it to that corner, we'll be able to see the end in sight. 
And lo and behold, it came around the corner and there was Rick waiting and there was the hill, the top of the hill in sight. The mountaintop, the summit was there on the horizon. And let me tell you, it filled me with so much hope that I could actually make it. And having that hope meant my energy came back, my heart rate came down and I was ready to go and finish the job. And it's seeing the, the end in sight, isn't it, often that gives us that hope. And Andrew Ollerton in the book here uses that analogy. As we talk about the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and what it tells us of life after death and our eternal life, eternal future, he describes that as the far horizon. It's the mountaintop, the summit, where we're heading. And knowing about that and understanding that as we can when we dig into the book of Revelation like we will today, that gives us hope. That is our hope that, that we will make it to that mountaintop, to that life after death, to that eternal life. And that gives us hope, that far horizon, mountaintop hope for what, where we are now. It gives us hope in, in the midst of today's challenges on this near horizon. It gives us hope in the challenging circumstances of life. And so what we're going to do in this message is we're going to explore what the book of Revelation tells us about that mountaintop, about that far horizon, our future hope. And then we're going to look at how that helps us live boldly and courageously and confidently here and now amongst the challenges of life. So in a moment, we're going to dive into the book of Revelation. But just before we do, I think it would be wise to address a question that I'm sure many of you have. And perhaps some of you here today or listening today, watching today, a friend has shared this and this is your first message that you're hearing from a church or maybe you're new to faith and you're exploring. And when we bring up this topic of life after death and eternal life, you begin to wonder, how can you know? How can I know? How can the Bible know? How can we as Christians know what life after death looks like? Because there isn't people coming back from the dead every day to tell us, yes, you got it right. Yes, it's exactly what the Bible says. So how can we know what it looks like? How can we be sure? We don't have Google Maps to tell us where it levels out and where the end is in sight. We, how do we know? How can we be sure? Well, despite the fact that this is a future hope, and this is something that we are looking forward to seeing in the future, it is anchored and it is centered on events of the past. Namely, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. 1 Peter 1 in the New Testament puts it this way. In his great mercy, speaking of God, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. We have a living hope. We have this hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Jesus has been to that horizon. Jesus has been through death and not just that, he has conquered death. He has destroyed death and he calls us on to join him in that far horizon. That's why in church we talk so much and the Bible talks so much about following Jesus, 
following his way, allowing him to lead us on to this future hope. On one of my other bike rides a while ago, I was in Cambridge this time, so I was on a hill, but it was a much more manageable one. And I was actually coming down, so I was fine. But going up the other way, there was a family. And the mum was in front and she was cycling up the hill and I could see behind her a young child. And the boy must have been four or five, maybe six, very young. But he was pedaling his heart out. And I thought, wow, you go for it, kid, you go for it. And then as I got a bit closer, I realized that actually his bike was attached to the mum's bike and it was, it was connected. So he was holding on, he was keeping his balance, he was pedaling away. But ultimately it was the mum's energy, the mum's strength and the mum's work that was getting him to the top of the hill. And I thought, what a great picture for the way that Jesus leads us on. We attach ourselves, we hold on, we pedal away, we do what we can, but ultimately it's not our strength and it's not our effort that gets us to, to this ultimate far horizon and, and gets us to where we need to go. It is the completed work of Jesus. And that is our hope, that because of what Jesus has done, we attach ourselves to him and we let him lead us on. And on that day when we finally reach this far horizon, when Jesus returns and ushers in this new age, what will it look like? What do we have to look forward to? I'm saying all this with a smile because I'm excited and we're gonna read now from the book of Revelation and get some glimpses and some images of what this future hope is, of what this is going to look like when Jesus returns and when we settle into our eternal future. The book of Revelation contains, or the Revelation of John, it contains a lot of imagery and signs that people have been trying to decipher for years, but we're not gonna to worry too much about that today. Where we're gonna to focus today is on Revelation 21 and 22, right at the very end of the Bible. And we're gonna read a couple of passages that give us a glimpse of what this far horizon future hope looks like. So this is Revelation 21 verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And Revelation 22 verse one says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. What an incredible picture of our future hope. This is our future hope, folks. A new heaven, a new earth, God dwelling with us. 
We won't need the sun or any lamps because the light of God will be there to light it all up. I hope that wherever you're watching, you are amen in, hallelujah in, you are getting excited because this is our future hope. This is an incredible image that we have of what our future hope looks like, what this far horizon looks like. And I just want to explore three specific aspects of that future hope. Firstly, there will be a renewed planet, a renewed planet. Revelation 21 verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. Our future hope is not that we will be some dismembered spirits floating up, evacuating this planet. No, no, no. It is for a renewed creation. It's a vision of God restoring and renewing creation. It's of God and the people of God represented as Jerusalem coming down to reunite heaven and earth. When the Bible speaks about earth, it's speaking about our space, humanity space. And when it speaks of heaven, it's meaning God's space. And what we see is our eternal future is the two coming together, heaven and earth, renewed and reunited just like it was in the Garden of Eden, God's presence with humanity. It's just, the Bible is a story of paradise lost and paradise gained. We notice how in Revelation 22, we saw the tree of life reappearing, just like Garden of Eden. Gone are the chaos waters, the seas which represent chaos, and instead there is a river of life. I am sure that you are looking, for this, looking forward to this restored and renewed creation. Because we look around, don't we, and we see natural disasters. We see the impacts of climate change. We see the injustice that that brings. And we long for it to be put right. We long for it to be fixed. Well, that is our future hope. That God is going to renew and remake heavens and earth. And it's going to be restored. And we will see that in our future hope. Our future hope is for a renewed planet. Secondly, resurrection bodies. In this creation, we will have physical bodies, resurrection bodies. Physical bodies just like now, except there'll be some serious upgrades. Verse 4 of Revelation 21 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Maybe as you watch now, you're sat in pain. Your body is aching you. Maybe you're mourning the loss of a loved one at the moment. Maybe you've in worship today or recently you've found yourself crying. Well, our new creation involves none of those things. No pain, no mourning, no crying. And we all know, don't we, that no matter how we, well we look after our bodies, how well we eat, how well we exercise, that ultimately at some point in our lives we experience pain and our bodies eventually decay and will be subject to death. But these new resurrection bodies, they will not be subject to these things because in the new creation, when we have physical bodies, so these things are gone. We are getting a serious upgrade in kit when it comes to the new creation. In the letter of 1 John in the New Testament, it puts it this way. We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. When Christ appears, we shall be like him. All this is going to be ushered in by Jesus appearing again, by Christ returning. And when he does and we receive our resurrection bodies, we will be like him. We will be like Christ. And Jesus, when he was resurrected, he walked and he talked and he ate with his disciples. So it will be a physical body, 
but it will be rid of the forces of death and of pain and of corruption of any, of any nature in that way. It will be a glorious body. In this book, um, Surprised by Hope, by Tom Wright, he puts it this way. A Christian in the present life is a mere shadow of their future self. The self they will be when the body which God has waiting in his heavenly storeroom is brought out, already made to measure and put on. You are a mere shadow of your future self. There is, a there is a heavenly body waiting in the heavenly storeroom for you, made to measure your resurrection body. Resurrection body, renewed planet, and finally, reunion with God. Verse 3 of Revelation 21 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be their God. As I've been reading and rereading this verse, something really stood out to me. And so I'm going to read it again, but with some emphasis added. It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. Sense the excitement in the voice. God's dwelling place is amongst the people. It's exciting because in this present day, we can have relationship with God and we can have moments where we feel God's presence so close because Christmas teaches us, God is with us, Emmanuel, God with us. But there's moments when it can feel distant. Maybe even now as you watch, God feels distant. You feel like you haven't heard from God. You feel like you, you don't know where God is right now. Well, in this eternal future, the good news is God will dwell with us so richly and so fully that it will be impossible not to feel his presence. It will be life as it was intended to be. You see, Revelation tells us that evil and sin and injustice and all of the forces that corrupt this creation and ourselves, they are gone, they are banished, they are judged and removed. And once that's happened, God can move in because God cannot be where those things are. So they will be gone and it will be replaced by God's presence in his fullness, a complete reunion with God. Reunion with God, resurrection bodies, renewed planet. This is our future hope secured for us by what Jesus has done. And so that's what's on the far horizon. That is our hope that we're gonna get there one day. But here on this near horizon, where we are today, we long for this great future hope, don't we? We long for this. And the good news for us is that we do have this confidence that this is how the story ends. And knowing that's how the story ends can give us hope here today on this near horizon. It can give us hope in the midst of pain, hope in the midst of tragedy, hope in the midst of loss. Let's watch this video from the Macaulay family who tell their story about dealing with tragedy and loss, but doing it with this hope. It was 2016, I was sitting in the sitting room with my husband, Sammy Macaulay. All of a sudden, headache appeared from nowhere, ended up to be something very serious. He ended up in Addisburg Hospital, diagnosed of brain hemorrhage. Sammy was in, in this coma for a few months. The doctor's reports were saying that Sammy will never walk again, Sammy will never talk, Sammy will never regain all his memory, but God be the glory. Sammy recovered and beyond. 
Unfortunately, even after making a full recovery a couple years later, my dad unexpectedly passed away. Uh, for me, my heart genuinely sunk just hearing the words time of death from the paramedic. It was a surreal feeling for my entire family. <sighs> yeah, it was just... The air was filled with silence, complete stillness at the time, and just the overwhelming love that poured in from the Kingsgate family. It felt like a big hug, that a spiritual hug that was needed. It was really needed at the time. Despite feeling a sense of loss and grief at the time, I had an overall sense of peace and calmness because my dad had confidence in his faith and he believed in God and he knew that there was hope for eternal life, which makes me really confident that I'm going to be able to see him again in the future. Eternal hope is a beautiful thing, especially in the context of losing my dad. Um, I really feel like it helped put a lot of things into perspective for us as a family. Um, and the Bible talks about hope, how it's a part of faith. Um, Hebrews specifically says that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. And for me, that just meant that, you know, I can be confident that my dad lived his life here and fulfilled his purpose. I can be confident that he's in a better place as well. And I can be assured that as a family, we'll be reunited again later on in life. Um, and also that there will be no more sadness, there'll be no more pain. And I feel like that's our confident eternal hope. We have seen in the last almost two years now, across the globe, that we can never be quite sure what's around the corner. And sometimes when we don't know what's around the next corner, it can rob us of confidence and hope for the future. But this picture that Revelation gives us, this hope that this biblical Christian hope that we have of how the story ends, it gives us confidence knowing we don't know what's around the corner, but we know where the story is ending. We know what our future hope is. And that gives us hope to live confidently no matter what's coming around the corner. In Hebrews 6 verse 19, it says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. We can have this hope confidently that this is how the story ends, that this is our eternity because Jesus, our forerunner, has gone ahead. He has anchored us there. He has gone to the other side and he calls us on when we attach ourselves to him. And we say, lead us on, Jesus. And we can let him lead us on living confidently here, assured by the hope we have in Jesus. Finally, this great hope that we have for the future of our renewed planet, of our resurrection bodies, of what we've read in Revelation, reunion with God. Not only does it help us to live confidently in the midst of life's challenges, but I believe it can help us to live courageously in the midst of life's challenges. Because when we grasp and understand that this life is not all there is, 
that this life is not all there is. Suddenly we realize that our future is secure in Jesus. And it impassions us and emboldens us to be people of this hope, to be people of hope that live bold and live generous and live courageous, to let other people know about this hope that we have. Knowing that nothing can steal our hope, nothing that we do or say can steal our hope when we keep our faith in Jesus. And we become a lot more, for want of a better word, useful when we start living this way, when we start living for others, and when we start embodying the prayer that Jesus prayed when he prayed, your kingdom come. See, Revelation told us, didn't it, that heaven and earth, that heaven coming down to be reunited with earth, and Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come. Whilst we wait for this great future hope, we are to pray, your kingdom come, God. Heaven invade this earth here and now. And we can see it in bits and pieces. And we are to pray your kingdom come more and more. And then, hey, look for ways to maybe add on to that prayer and use me to do it, God. Use me to do it. To live bold and courageous lives, looking for ways to help others catch a glimpse of heaven, to catch a glimpse of who God is. And sometimes when we're doing that and we're living that way and saying things like the best is yet to come and I believe this is going to turn out for good. People can accuse us as Christians of just being very optimistic. You're just being optimistic. Well, let me, let me use a quote that Andrew Ollison uses in this book that is from Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And he says it this way. I am not an optimist, but I am a prisoner of hope. A prisoner of hope. Oh, C3, that we would be prisoners of this hope that we have. We are not optimists, we are prisoners of the hope that we have.